Welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me I have Josh Concho. Josh, how are you? A lot better after coming away with the W. Um, you know, it was an exciting game. Um, and my heart rate is probably still slowly recovering back to its baseline at this point, you know. But, you know, like I said, it's nice to come away with a win. I feel you there. I, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the week, had my entire family, my kids, my wife, and my parents there as well for the, for the match. Uh, and they had a great time. They were up chanting, singing, dancing. Uh, and my dad, who's this sort of docile old man now, was even up and whistling and waving a flag around. So it was a good time. And uh, our goal here for the listeners, who they're all new, first of all, thank you for being here and supporting the podcast. And second, Josh and I want to do these instant reaction takes that either the night of or following a big match like this, so we can get some of the emotion out of the way and then circle back to uh, a more tactical analysis of, of the matches a couple days later. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. Josh, let's start off with the starting 11. Um, you and I went back and forth on Twitter briefly over this, but really only one surprise there. And I think you'd agree that that's just Pablo Cisniega and goal. Anything else that caught your eye or how do you feel about Pablo starting? Um. Obviously, I think given given that Tyler had started against uh, Carson in the previous match, it was a little bit of a shock. Um, Bob did address it at the press press conference after the game, kind of talking about it was you know more of a factor of just sharpness and probably what they'd seen in training. And I think to a certain degree, we're probably likely to see something similar based on his comments, where you they're they're going to ride the hot hand based on. On, on what things look like in training and those kind of things, which I'm a little, I'm, a, I'm I am quite nervous about, right? Because you know, goalkeeper seems to be one of those things where, you know, it, it seems I don't know if it, you can do it the way you do it in hockey, where you're just riding who's hot, as opposed to you know having a guy, you know, like having that confidence that you know you're going to be that number one day in day out. And so, at some point, I feel like they're going to have to choose. I think most people seem to be in agreement that long term that you know Cisniega may be may be the goalie of the future from what from what people have seen but at the same time you know I talked about it in the last podcast where I didn't necessarily think that this was that there was any reason at this point for him to have lost his job so again it doesn't seem like that's 100% the case at the moment but again we'll kind of have to monitor that situation going forward um you know, again, he seemed hesitant at times during the match, seemed a little bit like the chemistry wasn't quite there. You know, again, maybe I'm just being affected by Taylor Twelman, you know, trying to point some of these different things out. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, I, again, it just didn't feel like he was completely comfortable with the guys he was playing with. I don't know. You were there. What did you see? You know, there were a couple times where he did look very hesitant to come out of net when he should have. And granted, being at the game, sometimes it's really tough to judge the angles. So I was actually kind of excited to talk to you about this. Uh, on the on the first Atlanta goal, where they have the set-piece opportunity, it looked like that initial ball in, he could have easily grabbed um, instead of giving up a, a free header, basically. And I don't know if that's a miscommunication with him and the defenders, or just I, I had the wrong angle on the ball, so I, you know, I, don't, I didn't see it right. What did you see on that? I mean, I think the ball looked like it was something, you know, the the play in itself was very much a set piece play in terms of how they played it, it to the back post of the trailer coming in, right? 
And to me, that one was definitely more on on the defense, right? They 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 got caught watching. You know, Bob said it himself. I think in in the press conference um, that they in the beginning of the match they just weren't they weren't switched on, right? And I think you know it was it was the quote of the match for me, where basically at the end of that, you know, uh, Sebastian Salazar is doing his uh, post um, end of the half interview with Bob and says, "Bob, what'd you think?" and Bob basically said we were terrible at the beginning and we were terrible at the end. And to a certain degree that more or less summed up the entire match for me, right there, you had this stretch where LAFC just looked unbeatable, but then at the same time, there's moments where they shut off and on, on that goal, on the two goals that they gave up in the first half, um, you know, that was more or less the case. There was the first one was off of that, like I said, a a back post cross um, on the set play that, they basically just got caught watching instead of actually playing the ball. And then the second being off a throw in, they just kind of shut down. Mark Anthony K runs towards the line of the fence, as opposed to shutting down the runner in the box and actually playing Joseph. Um, And so again, it, it, I'm, I don't ever get too, you know, too crazy about losing things on set plays. Weird stuff happens there. Right. Cause that, Again, when it comes to set plays, it can't. It comes more to a matter of focus, and you know, beginning of the game, coming up that loss, you could still see maybe that was that hangover, uh, still a little bit of a hangover from the previous match, and maybe it was the punch in the face that they needed because they did come up and score four goals in pretty spectacular fashion in the, in the next few minutes, or you know, later on. In, I mean, in the towards the end of the first half, but at the same time, right again, shutting down, not having those things, and then just having these kind of weird mental lapses at, at at the most inopportune times. And again, it, it, it poses that question and kind of gives us pause as to in these big games, in these big moments, are we going to have these same, same mental lapses? And again, it is, it is a fair question to ask, I think. Yeah, I agree. And uh, going back to the goalkeeper situation, I think you're right. It does seem like they're going to, you know, ride whoever they think is, has the hot hand at the moment. I, I find that kind of interesting because I don't know what Tyler Miller's done to lose his job still, um, even though Pablo Cisniega has played really well until now. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Um, one of the things that we talked about doing was, you know, where we each take a, a quick segment in these instant reaction podcasts. Um, and, the first one that I want to get into is with, is for you, Josh. And that's one tactical note that you were able to pick out while watching this match that you find relevant to understanding what we saw tonight. Um, I think the bit, one of the things that stuck out to me, obviously they're the offense looked a lot better, right. In terms of the flow and those different things, you know, and it probably had a little bit more to do where, you know, they weren't man marking at Tuesta towards the back. It was Vela who was being man marked, which, if you're going to give Atuesta time to find space and to find passes, he's going to do it. Um, but the biggest thing for me um, tactically was something that we didn't do well, and that was maintain balance when we're chasing goals, right? So obviously after the after giving up the first goal, we're going to be pushing. We're trying to, you know, and again, we're used to teams that are going to bunker down and do those different things. So obviously we have to push numbers forward. But several times throughout the match, you know, when we're pushing those numbers forward, we did not maintain that balance as to, you know, which leads to some of the counterattacking opportunities. And Atlanta had more than their fair share throughout the match. 
part of that issue right. came with beta coming off, you know, in this, in the, about the 50th or 50, 60th minute um, and blessing shifting over to right back. Again, we know it's not his natural position. He's done an admirable job of filling in, but at the same time, we have to make sure we maintain the balance when it comes to our attack and especially off a of set plays. Cause there was one time when the ball gets kind of knocked in his direction off a of set play. He tries to volley it when he's actually the safety valve. And then next thing you know, you know, Barco and, and Joseph are off to the races, you know, or PT hits that long ball because again, and now we're expecting Jordan Harvey to be that, that safety valve, you know, and again, at his age and with his pace, is he really the guy that we want there? Right. I think they're towards the end. They made a little bit of a shift. So at Twesto was the guy that provides that safety valve sitting a little bit deeper, kind of what we had talked, we had talked about, you know, on Twitter with, them kind of sitting more in a three-four-three when in their attack with the center defensive midfielder sitting in between the center backs to provide a little bit more defensive stability. And, you know, they, that was kind of the case until they brought Yakovic in to play more of that five at the back system um, to kill the match off. But again, it, you know, I think the biggest thing was when, when we're, when we're chasing goals, it's one thing to push numbers forward, you know, and again, making sure we're maintaining that balance. But at the same time, when we're up 4-1, what are we doing in terms of pushing the same numbers forward and, and not being smart about maintaining that balance? That's when you have you should have that time to think you're not just trying to react and score goals and do these different things because you're you're carrying a huge lead. And then again, that's when those mental lapses occur. That's when you allow these stupid things to happen. Did we give them momentum going to the second half again? And then at the same time, a second mental right. lapse in the second half, which allows Miriam to kind of beat, you know, beat at beat the defender down the line and send that ball in for, you know, unfortunately resulting in an own goal, which again, those things happen, but you know, should you, if, if we're switched on, if the balance is, is there when we're, when we're in the attacking phase, which I, th- I'm hoping this potential, you know, again, should this potential new signing come through that we had talked about um, on the Dolly black and cold scouting report last night of Brian Rodriguez, because he's more of a creator in his own right, do we need to necessarily need to push as many numbers forward from the midfield, which should provide more of that balance and be a little bit more pragmatic? So, yeah, maybe those things will be solved in the transfer market. Um, but again, we'll see. You know, but that to me, that was the biggest thing that, again, it's unfortunately it's a negative one, but you know, in which is crazy because we won. But at the same time, I think it's one of those ones where we definitely escaped with a win rather than, you know, took this one out outright. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that you point out the the blessing shift. So as soon as he went back uh, to right back, I started paying a lot more attention to what he was doing on the field. And on one of these corner kicks, and I think it was the one that you mentioned where he tries to come up for the volley after the ball jostles loose. Uh, you have Harvey as the, the last man. He's standing in midfield. And Latif looks to be headed in his direction to, to help him out. But he's, uh, he's just walking back. And I was thinking, is he going to get all the way back? Is this ball going to pop loose? Um, anyway, the ball is played in, and there's a chance for a volley. And as you said, uh, uh, he and Atuesta kind of collide on the on the ball, and it's popped loose. And now the ball is pinged forward to Joseph Martinez behind Jordan Harvey. So now you have the reigning uh, the reigning Golden Boot winner in Joseph Martinez one on one with your keeper. Uh, and my question there is why, when we're up four to three, is Eddie Segura on the back post trying to receive a corner? That to, to me, that doesn't make any sense. I get if you want to put Walker back there because he's a tall target, but 
we spent plenty of time in the last podcast talking about how Eddie Segura is not going to win a whole lot of headers against taller uh, opposition. Uh, and I think you need his pace in the back as a safety valve to help out Harvey or whoever is back there to to ward off a counterattack like we saw. Yeah, I mean, it makes more sense when you're up 4-1, right? You know, you can take those chances, you can take those risks, but, you know, again, when you're just trying to kill a game off, is it really the smartest thing to do? You know, you know, and again, we don't know what was said on the field. What is Bob, you know, maybe Bob's yelling at them, trying to make sure that they're they set up differently or properly or whatever maybe you know because obviously there's a little bit of hectic there was a bit of a hectic feeling toward you know in the second half of that game um and so yeah again we're you know obviously we're not always privy to the discussions that are had and what they saw but at the same time you know like i said you have to think that they're going to be more common sense should be involved when it comes to protecting some of these leads and again Mm -hmm. you know whether it's a one nil lead in el trafico right or a four one lead against the reading champions you got to know how to you you have to be smarter in terms of knowing when to take your opportunities and when to kill a game you know when you right. need to just sit back and kill a game off you know like i said they they fortunately were able to hold on you know for the win didn't look pretty you know um i think it was you know alicia from uh angels on parade basically was saying that jordan harvey looked like a hockey defenseman basically sliding in in front of every <laughs> single you know in sort of every oncoming shot as opposed to you know being playing straight up, but you know he's married to a Canadian, so I'm sure something yeah. rubbed off there. Uh, he he won save of the match, by the way. Yeah, uh, I mean, makes sense. It was announced at the stadium, so that was a big one. All right. Well, uh, the other thing, the other segment that we want to make a regular thing is I'm going to come into every instant reaction podcast with one big conclusion, and my conclusion today or tonight, I should say, is that I think Tristan Blackman play, has played himself into a starting role for the foreseeable future. Uh, and that's partly a factor of Stephen Bateshort still not seeming right. I mean, he's gone. What is this his second start in a row, I think? Um, for Bateshort? Start against? Blackman started against against Carson and then Bateshort. Okay. Um, because Bateshort played the full 90 against um, Houston before that. Right, that's right. Um and I think I know that Blackman had a knock this week, I think during training. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I felt like his presence was missed and you see, you see beta short get beat by mirror. I think it was Miriam down the wing there yes. where he gets the beats him to the end line, cuts the ball back on that. I think it's the third goal on the and, own goal uh, by Segura. Yeah. And then he comes up, uh, kind of hobbled after that. I don't know if it showed up on camera or not, but, it was interesting to see anytime the ball wasn't in the area, if Beta Shore was moving, he was very ginger and did not full on limping, but it definitely didn't look right. So I don't know how much time if he's gonna if he's gonna come back out of the lineup because of injuries or just because Blackman is playing, but uh, that's the conclusion is that Blackman is gonna continue to see more and more minutes. And I think that's a good thing. He's been solid defensively, whether we have him at center back or right back. And I think one of the really fun parts of his game is his ability to step into a, a pass and intercept it and spring a counterattack right away. It seems like I've noticed him doing that just as much as you would Mark Anthony Kay or, or Eddie Atuesta. What do you think about this? Yeah. I mean, obviously I think there's, I think it's one of those situations where some, again, I think I definitely don't think Beta is 100% healthy. You know, obviously time will tell and we'll mm-hmm. kind of see 
what what comes to light. You know, I said from I think you weren't the only one that has pointed out that he seemed a little bit hobbled um, towards the end of the game there, and and again that given, but at the same time, I think the one thing to consider, you know, is he he what he's I believe he's the vice captain of the team, right? The to Carlos Vela. He was you know he usually is the one that wears the armband when Vela's not on the field. Um, which hasn't been too often this season. He def- he was the captain at Houston when I was there. Um, but, you know, the one thing about Stephen Bateshore is he's a professional defender, right? Mm-hmm. He's, you know, where where Harvey sometimes will get caught sliding and kind of be a little bit, you know, he will get caught out of position occasionally. He's the one that tends to be a little bit more solid through the back line. You know, obviously in the next year or two, is that person likely going to be Tristan Blackman? Absolutely, I think I think that's that's likely the plan, um, especially with Eddie Segura becoming you know being a revelation this year. Um, yeah, I mean, time will tell, and we'll we'll kind of see what you both of their fitness looked like. That I think that's that's the biggest concern right now. It's like what a, a position that we thought we had a clear amount of depth at, you know, whereas the beginning of the year was left back was the thing was the position we we're worried about. And then when you're starting to play well, so then you're like, okay, we're okay at left back. Now it's right back again, primarily due to injury again. And we'll have to monitor to see what happens over the next two, you know, the next week or so. But again, we do have a full, a full now week before the next game. I believe the next game is going to be Saturday um, against uh, new England. And so again, time will tell to see what, what's really been the difference again. Beta hasn't been, I, I don't think that he's been healthy um, 100% healthy for a while now. You know, at this point in the season, I'm not sure anyone really is. But, you know, I think Blackman coming in with, with a little bit of youth and enthusiasm has definitely shown his worth and his value. Again, I, I, I think, generally speaking, I tend to be a lot more hesitant when it comes to, to making wholesale changes to the front line. But I, I definitely see your point there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, you were talking about some some of the depth issues that we've had. And I think uh, that's a decent segue into our, into our final segment here, which is notable performances. And I know that you're going to come in here and talk about Lee Wynn because uh, in the past two weeks, both times he's come in, he's looked completely dominant on the ball uh, and really changed up the dynamic of the, of the match. So let's talk about that, uh, that midfield depth and what you think of Lee Wynn's performance tonight. Okay. First of all, I promise that my support for Lee Wynn isn't just because he wore my scarf on the field. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I think the biggest thing that Lee, again, just like we, I, you know, I kind of mentioned about a guy like Steven Betashore in terms of his ability just to be a, 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 you know, a veteran professional on the field. That is exactly what Lee comes in and does, right? He's just smooth on the field, the way that he moves, the way the things that he does, you know, again, is he going to provide you that intense counter press the way that a Latif will or Mark Anthony will? Probably not, right? It's He's not in that stage of his career, but when things are frantic, is he a guy that's going to be going to be able to come in and absolutely just calm down a game? You know, and I think I had made the argument for the Carson game was honestly based on the emotion and everything that was going into it. Is that potentially a guy that we probably could have used more um, to just settle things down and be a little bit more, more pragmatic um, as opposed to, again, bringing that high intensity, you know, high press the whole game. I know we've, we've named our podcast after that very 
same counter press, but at the same time, you know, there, there's a time and a place sometimes. And, you know, there's a given what Lee brings to the table in terms of, again, his just ability to hold, you know, to hold, to keep possession, not turn over to the ball, to make the right pass, to make, you know, a, to make a, the perfect final ball in, you know, to our forwards, which he did several times on it. And then also, you know, at, 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 in moments, you know, put defenders on skates, you know, like I said, what mm-hmm. he, he basically just ended, um, Pires with that, with that Meg, um, down the touchline. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things where there's a reason why he's, he was a, you know, MVP candidate, I think, you know, what, five, four or five years ago when he was with the revolution, mm-hmm. you know, and it's one of the few guys in the league that has, I think it's 50 goals and 50 assists. Right. Right. And so right. again, he's, there's, he, he brings that solidity and that, you know, and again, and a calmness to the midfield that we don't always have, you know, and again, after, and especially after the big, after that first goal, you could see a little bit of that tension start to ratchet up again and so on and so forth. And so I wonder, you know, again, because I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not going to be the one that's ever really going to be the one that's going to be, you know, again, hot take and say, we have to make all these quick changes. Part of me is also wondering, okay, do we, is it more of a situational issue when it comes to when you play Lee versus blessing or K, right? When you're playing against a team where you need to just be calm on the ball and just take care of things, that's when Lee starts versus, you know, you're going to be on the front foot the whole time and just ram it down their throat. Then that's the perfect time to play Latif, you know, or if a team's going to be in a, in a full, you know, bus parking mode is down now another time to play Lee because he's going to provide that final, you know, that final ball. So again, it, it, it was definitely an amazing performance. I think the second game in a row that he's looked great or no third game, because in, in the Houston game, he really was again, a, a driving right. force. I think he had two assists in that game Yeah, yeah. Um, in the, in the galaxy game really just kind of calmed the midfield down after, you know, again, they were consistently turning the ball over pretty regularly. And then again, in this game really was just, you know, when, when it seemed like Atlanta was finally going to be able to make that push, then he would just be able to do something that really just, you know, extended LAFC's position for a few minutes longer, right? Instead of... Yeah, and that's, that's for me, that's really it, is uh, I'm going to back up to the Galaxy game as well, where we, when he comes in, you had you had Fabio Alvarez just man-marking Eddie Atuesta out of the game. Um, so the center backs are looking for somebody to pass the ball into uh, in the midfield, and Atuesta is just marked the entire time. And you even have Jonah Dos Santos, who's... who's pressed high up the field. So you see Zimmerman kind of going back and forth, trying to decide where to go with the ball, ends up dumping it to a fullback and there's no, there's really nowhere to go. And then when Lee comes in, he adds another guy that can, that can drop in and shuttle the ball forward and, and distribute a little bit better than, uh, you know, a Mark Anthony K would. And you saw it tonight too. K was really struggling with some of his distribution. A lot of his passes were short or, or just off, so they were being intercepted and turning into counterattacks. And as soon as Lee comes in, you see K is a little bit more free to just do what he what he does, which is intercept balls and, and you know jumpstart a play. Um, and Wayne is able to maintain the possession a little bit more. I'm glad you nudged, you mentioned the nutmeg that happened right in front of our seats, and uh, even my wife jumped out of her seat and was like, "That was the coolest thing ever." He did it in between his legs. She doesn't know what a nutmeg is, but you know. Uh, that's the way she described it is he did it between his legs, which was, 
pretty adorable if you ask me. But I was I was happy to see him come in, and uh, I think the thirty two fifty two gave him the the man of the match as well um, for his performance tonight. So definitely uh, a notable performance there. Um, the last thing uh, I'm going to be again a little bit self indulgent here is uh, we're going to we'll talk about Vela real fast. Um, he he wins the penalty. I don't know on video if that looked like it was an actual penalty or not. Was that inside? I mean, it definitely looked like a foul to me. I just couldn't tell from where I was. Yeah, seeing from it was from on instant replay. Obviously, like he, he he catches him on the foot, but his that foot is on outside the you know outside the outside the box. So I believe it should probably have been a like a direct free kick. But you know, mm-hmm. like I said, it, unless it it also was one of those things where. Could you 100% say that's exactly what happened? Probably not, right? So then again, that that point right, of clear right. and obvious becomes, you know, the the elephant in the room, like it usually is right. with VAR. Okay. So regardless of what happened, uh, we end up with a penalty. And Carlos seems dialed in with this little hezzy that he does before he gets to the ball. Um, he sends Brad Guzan, who was really annoying to watch this match, holding onto the ball, falling over, wasting time. As soon as they scored that first goal, he's just killing time as much as he can. Uh, sends him the wrong way and just slots it home on the other side. And my my mother looks over to me and says, that was so awesome the way he just stopped and made the goalie jump the wrong direction before he kicked the ball. And I, I immediately texted you about this. Uh, and I think you texted back, like, that's the most pure analysis that you can have. And to me, it was cool that, you know, he does something that's so amazing that even my mother, who only watches soccer when I come to L.A. and we go to a match, she recognizes it. Um, and all throughout the game, that number 10 is just so great. He's the greatest. Um, so it was cool to to share that moment with my family and, and show them like, hey, this is this is why I do this. This is it's a lot of fun to watch. So, all right, that's enough self indulgence. <laughs> Josh, do you have any anything else that you want to add about Vela other than that he's awesome or yeah, I mean, it, it's one of the. I mean, he's the MVP for a reason, right? He, he, he's the one guy that jumps off the page, and it's not just because of his amazing hair, um, you know. And I think we all we're all in for Vela's headband, and you know, I hope he doesn't ever cut it because I'm afraid that it's going to have that Samson effect, and the season goes yeah. down the tubes when that once that happens. So lots of people in the stadium, by the way, wearing uh, their hair a little bit longer and and headbands. So it's it's catching on. Yeah, I don't understand how anyone is doing that, considering how hot it is right now. So you know, I'm I <laughs> as much as I would like to join in on the Fed, you know, my my the the my air conditioning bill is not going to allow it. So no, no, I don't think so. But Vela's on that DP money, so he's good. Yeah, he can afford to absolutely keep his house on sixty dollar whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well. If that's all you have, that's all I have. Um, So for the listeners out there, thanks for tuning in and uh, look forward in the next few days for our more tactical analysis. We'll go in and do a deeper dive on on what we did to undo Atlanta and what they did to undo us at times. Uh, So make sure to to follow the podcast. Quick admin note, um, we're still waiting on the iTunes approval, but we are now in Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify in addition to our SoundCloud feed. So we'll keep... Uh, we'll keep pushing out the SoundCloud uh, feeds for everybody that is waiting on the iTunes uh, distribution. And we'll let you know as soon as that goes live. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kirk Kinsey on Twitter. And Josh, where can we find you? LAFC Josh.
All right. Hop on, hop on the Twitter machine and hit us up so we can keep talking about this match. Yeah, but that's all for tonight, and we'll talk to you in a few more days. Bye.